of the Bluetooth Podcast. We're here Thursday, July 8th at 11 a.m. One of the earliest podcasts, I think we were just talking about this, probably one of the earlier podcasts we've ever recorded. We're a night show. Uh, you guys had the morning show, but you recorded it at night, so. Right, yeah, we were recording <laughs> those at, like, we. I would be still editing by, like, one in the morning when we were yeah. doing that. So if you consider, like, more like morning because I know we've recorded some booth reviews like early on. We recorded them at like 3 a.m. But I don't think that that to me is still nighttime. I feel like it is across that is. bridge into like, you know, even though it's a.m. I think this is probably one of the earliest we've done where it's like we're awake, maybe one earlier than that, because I feel like I feel like we've had this conversation before. Like we did a really early one one time. I don't remember why. Um but but I don't know. It's an early podcast, so we're we're still warming up to the day. But Seth, how goes it? Big news on your end, finally. I mean, we've been talking about it every episode, but yeah, I mean, I'm feeling up? pretty good. So surgery was on Tuesday, um, and so it, everything went really well. You know, like I wasn't, I didn't feel nauseous after the surgery. You know, sometimes anesthesia does that to you, but yeah, um, it did a really good job of it. Um, you know, I haven't had a ton of pain in my shoulder, which is nice. It's basically just been like, I, so I haven't actually seen where the incisions are yet because there's like the dressing on it that doesn't come off until tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming there's one in the front because there's like this very itchy spot in the front that, and like if I peel back this big old like ice pack that I have on, you can kind of see that it started to bleed through a bit. So I'm assuming that there's, an incision in the front so that's really the yeah. only thing that's caused me any issues like sleeping's been fine as far as like like i've been able to find positions where i'm like comfortable lying down so all things yeah. considered definitely would take this surgery 10 times out of 10 versus either of the knee surgeries that i had before this nice that's good yeah but uh exciting stuff in terms of like you've got a lot of downtime for yourself now so yeah, you, sure. you put on the Instagram story last night, the MLB, the show vote. I'm excited to see. You said that if you ended up with the Boston Red Sox, you would do an O and 162 challenge. I'm begging that that happens. Just <laughs> so that's, that's the thing is the way the votes are shaping out right now. Now, obviously, it's only 11 a.m. And I put it up at like 10 p.m. last night. I'm, I think I'm going to close the voting at 5 p.m. today and then start the next round. Yeah. But as of right now, um, the AL East is in the lead with 32 votes. And then the next closest is the, I want to say the NL West. And Here's the thing like you have to remember, votes. too, is the audience you're talking to is, I think, like Very 90% Boston. Boston people. Yeah. yeah. So I think if you if the AL East ends up winning, like, it's going to be the Red Sox. Like, I just know right. it's going. Which was, <laughs> so I have to... I have to figure out how I'm doing, right? Because so basically, you know, I guess depending on when you guys hear this, it'll be before or after the voting. But the voting won't be finished really until probably Saturday at the earliest. This um, episode will be out in an hour. So Right. Yeah. So you guys will, will be hearing this before then. But the plan is to go. So whoever gets the whatever division gets the most votes this round will get a buy into round three. 
And then it's probably going to end up being the NL Central and the NL West, just the way that the votes are shaping up right now um, in round two. Whoever wins that goes up against the AL East. And then once we figure out what division people want to come from, we're taking out the top team. And then people will pick between the other four in the bottom. And, you know, because the plan for this really was to, like, try to do a rebuild type dynasty thing. Right. And so it'd be kind of cheap to, like, you know, say we were doing the NL West. It'd be kind of cheap to do NL West. Then all of a sudden everyone votes Dodgers. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's like you're already the best. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, like, that doesn't work. So the plan was to just take out whatever the top team was. But the issue that I'm running into with MLB The Show is, for whatever reason, there's no clear, like, ranking of the teams. Like, when you go into, it's like in, in 2K, for instance, right? If you go into 2K and you go into an exhibition game or a play, like, like just your regular, like, play now type of thing, yeah, it says overall, and it gives them a place 1 through 30, and then it says offense and defense and does the same thing, right? Yeah. So you get a general idea of what it was. So my, my plan is, you know, with that taking the best team, was I was going to go through on the rosters and say, okay, they're going to have whatever ranking on them. But for whatever reason, you know, maybe I'm just blind and I haven't seen it yet, but the show doesn't have that. So then my backup was go to the, they have this March to October game mode. And if you open that up, it has all of the teams separated by tiers. So it's got contenders, which they consider to be 91 plus win teams. And there's like three other categories, right? Yeah. But then the issue that we run into there is, assuming the AL East wins, the Yankees are in the contender spot, and the Sox are not. So that means that the Sox are going to be available for the last. Oh right, I'm yeah. Literally, you know, I, I'm. It's unless something crazy happens, and somehow the AL East doesn't, or people just don't want to watch the Sox get rebuilt. Then you know we're absolutely doing, <laughs> which is going to suck for me. Yeah, that that's good. I mean, you could do like I don't know. I'm trying to think about to just to avoid doing the Red Sox. I I don't know. I think you might be locked into to the Red Sox. Right. At this point. Depending on how our audience sways, obviously. I mean, I would I personally wouldn't vote for the Red Sox if I was being objective because I like like you. I'd like to see a shitty team get rebuilt. So I'd hope that we have some fans in our in our in the TBR voting polls that think similar to me. But I also yeah, my, know that we have some diehard Boston sports fans in right, our audience as well. But, so. you know, it'd be different if it was like last year, right? Because last year the Sox were atrocious, right? This year they're on top of their division. So I yeah. might make it so that if the team in real life is on top of their division, then we won't pick them. So, like, if somehow the NL East made a massive comeback, the Mets would not be available to be picked. Right? Yeah. And, you know, so the Dodgers – or I don't even know who's – I feel like it's the Dodgers probably. They have lost three straight, so I don't know where the Padres are in that division standing. But, like, like it, it wouldn't be the Sox. It wouldn't be the Mets. It wouldn't be probably the Dodgers because I think they're in first. Um, I'm trying to think who the other – I want to see the Astros are in first place in their division right now. Hey, so uh, the West Giants were up there, too. The Giants might actually be the first place team in, in the West. In the NL West. Oh, you know what? I think a, they have the best. Yeah, don't they have the best division in baseball? Our best. Um, it's it is it's definitely the best division. I don't know who's got the best record. I mean, not the best division. They, I think they have the best record in baseball. So right now, 
Yes. Or yes. Yes. Because when you look up ATS records, I think when you hit over, yeah, it's Giants, Astros, Red Sox, Dodgers are the top four. So it should be, as far as his record goes, the best record is San Francisco. Um, Immediately followed by um, uh, Houston. Then Boston is the next best, it looks like. Yeah, Boston is the next best after that. Yeah. Just straight up 1%. Because every time I I look up um, when I'm doing my MLB parlays, I go to MLB ATS records, and there's this app that shows you leaders in everything. So against the spread, overall, overall at home, overall on the road, over under, like over at home, like everything. So it has the Giants are like number one in like every category. Yeah, they've been on an unreal tear this year. They, they like have the best them. overall record. They have the best against the spread record. They're like up there for um, over unders too. So yeah, good good for the Giants. So, I think we'll do it based off the standings, honestly. Yeah. So the way it's shaping up right now, we won't be doing a rebuild with the Sox, the White Sox. Houston, San Francisco, Milwaukee, or the Mets. And I'm going to add, if if the NL West ends up coming out of it, we're picking between Colorado and Arizona because I think it's cheap to do the Dodgers or the Padres. Yeah, that that's a good point. But, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what team you end up with. And I'm excited to, like, watch it, too. Like, it's so far, it's just been, you know, me doing the boomer stream. So I'm excited to see, like, someone else get in on it. Michael was talking about, since we're doing this TBR TV thing now, doing something with Chell or something like that. So I'd be, like, excited as, like, just, like, a fan to, like, watch it. I would watch that, like, every night. That's, like, right up my alley. So, yeah, uh, exciting things. But uh, so everyone have that on your radar going forward. But we'll get into it. It was 4th of July weekend. Obviously, you had surgery on Monday, but how did you spend your 4th of July weekend? It was shitty out, but... Yeah, I mean, the weekend itself was crap weather. I actually, I got to, on on Monday, it wasn't that bad, and it dried out a bunch, so I actually, I went and played disc golf just once to get one last round in before I couldn't throw for six months, so... Yeah. But yeah, basically just stay inside the 4th. We, we've never really celebrated the 4th in my house, just like we didn't care. Like, it yeah. wasn't, it, it's not like some protest thing. It's just like, that was never, you know, like, we just never really cared. Right. It's just yeah. like, oh, another day in the middle of the summer to like, and that's the thing with that too. Like, I feel like July 4th, it's different when you're an adult. Because like, think about it, when you're a kid, why do you care if there's a holiday in the middle of July, right? Like, you're already out of school, so like, it doesn't really affect you in any way other than like. Oh, yeah. You mean just like the day and, like, off? Yeah. Yeah. Like obviously July Fourth, like you you go and see fireworks, you you're, you know you get your barbecue going with your family and whatever. But like I feel like the holiday, it, it I don't want to say it's like it feels more important when you're an adult. Like I, I feel like that's not the best way to describe it. But like the holiday actually feels more like a holiday when you're an adult because you're actually like you get your day off from work. Yeah. As a kid, you're literally just sitting around all day anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I mean, like where I'm, where I live, like the Revolutionary War was like one here, so it's a huge right. deal here. It's right. like it's like Christmas here for everybody. Well, what's funny too? So like, I did 
um, an Independence Day like camp, and there's like a parade that runs through the town that's five minutes from here. Yeah. It's like it like because it's Exeter, New Hampshire, and so that's also a pretty like big spot for yeah. Revolutionary War stuff. And so like when I was a kid, I like I actually have like a one of those like the tri corner hats, and then I've got like a fake like a wooden outline of a musket, and I like march oh, nice. in the parade after <laughs> doing the camp. But it's just nice. like. It, and like people like cared about her. I don't know. It's just like for also my parents like growing up. It's weird though because like my dad grew up in the Midwest, so you would think that he would have celebrated it growing up. Yeah, it's a big Midwest holiday, I think. Yeah, and then, but I mean, my mom's from Brooklyn, so yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's a big deal around here. The weather, the weather put a tamper on it this year. No one right. was really exactly. going out. Like the big thing in my town is like you go out on the boat during the day. There's this one, like, island that everyone goes to, and you just tie up with strangers. So, like, you just try and get the biggest, like, boat float going as possible, and they do that every year. And there were people out this year, but it was pouring rain. So it was like, who wants to, like, right. go out on the boat and get soaked? So a lot of people just kind of, like, stayed inside, went into town. It's like, a big festival or whatever. And then at night, it's like you go off the boat. You either stay on the boat and watch the fireworks, or at night you go to your barbecues or your cookouts or whatever. That's usually what, like, that's what everybody does. But the weather just kind of put, like, a put a little bit of a I, like i said it just kind of halted that so and you had to do like your modified indoor cookout cooking type thing but the weather kind of cleared up at night which was good so i was able to still you know go to a nice little function and uh and celebrate the fourth of july but yeah i had a pretty good fucking weekend uh i'm not gonna lie I felt good i was i was out i i went clubbing friday night it was fun right yeah how was that concert <laughs> It was good. So one of our friends was opening up for Lewis the Child. I'm a big fan of Lewis the Child. Um, so I was going to go regardless. And it was fun to just, like, be out again. Um, you know, right, yeah, with, you know it, was the, it was the first time, really, that, I mean, aside from the Bruins game, this was the first concert I'd been to since COVID had started. Um, ironically enough, in the same building that I saw my last. So I, the last concert I went to before this one was, like, the week before everything shut down for COVID like last March. So ironically enough, this was the same exact building that uh, that concert was in that I went back to. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was the first concert that I've been to since COVID. And I was just kind of sitting there at one point and I was like, this is kind of crazy that like we're doing this. Like, like I'm here. Like it was kind of nuts to me that like I was in the mosh pit literally at this nightclub um, with like hundreds of other people literally packed in like fucking sardines and it was like COVID had never existed. It was kind of nice. Um, but it was a fun night. Uh, it, it just felt good to just, like, get back out again, listen to some music, you know, mingle with people. Yeah, yeah ma people. mingle with people. Yeah, you can see a little bit of that going on in your Snapchat story. I'm just, it felt fucking good. I'm not going to lie. I mean. I'm sure it did. I mean, I'm not a big <laughs> concert guy, but if I was, I'd be extremely jealous. I mean, the way, the way that it all shaped up, too, was just, it was kind of kismet. I was going in with the mentality of, like, all right, I'm not really looking to be crazy social. I didn't know what the crowd was going to be like. It was 18 and up, right. so you had to, like, give your ID and everything. I didn't know what the vibe was going to be like. The night after was 21 and up. So m me and my cousin and Brownie came, and we were kind of, like, speculating what it was going to be like. I was assuming that it was going to be, like, 18 to 21-year-olds because if you had the option, if you were over 21, why would you go to the show with younger kids? And I was right. So the majority of the people in there were, like, just graduated high school or in college, like my age. 
So, so it was literally just a bunch of 18 to 21 year olds just kind of like vibing out to some music. So, I mean, I said this to Michael, like I was going in with the mindset of like, I'm not going to really be like extra social guy. Like, you know, we go down to Nantucket, we go to these concerts usually. And that's what you do at a concert. You talk to people around you. It's like, we're going to be here for four hours together. Anyway, might as well get to know each other a little bit, have some fun. So that's what you do at concerts. You hang out, you meet new friends. I've met, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast since the very beginning, you'll remember the story from me at the Khalid concert. I got Karen swooped by this girl's mom at a concert one time. Like that's what you make friends. They like, they they still follow TBR. Those, those two girls that we met at the Khalid concert who their mother fucking Karen swooped me. But, um, but yeah, that's what we do at concerts. We make friends. I've made some pretty good friends in my day at some concerts. But I wasn't looking, I wasn't going in with the mentality of like, all right, I'm going to be like Johnny, like talking everybody up, whatever, like getting Snapchats left and right. I was like, I'm just here to support my boy who's warming up and then I'm going to listen to some Lewis the Child and that's going to be about it. But, you know, it's easy to talk the talk beforehand, Seth. You get thrown into the fray. I'm standing there with, you know, I had my pick. Like you, like you know, like, <laughs> like I the, the the physical embodiment of the saying. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Literally, like it, it, I had it right in front of me. So it, it all. I'll just tell the story. It all started. I was. We were front and center, literally, like right up against the barricade, front and center. We got there early so that we could see our friend. And I thought that that was going to be a good thing, but then it kind of sucks because it's like everybody's like behind you. So for the right. sake of like the concert experience, yeah, it's great. You're front and center. The act is right there, but everything is going on behind you in terms of the crowd and the social life. So we were there for a little bit. This girl came up, started talking to me, um, was asking me like, you know, whatever, like where I'm from, whatever. Just for some reason thought that like she said she was from the South Shore and like the, a town on the South Shore. I'm not going to say what town it was. And she was like, oh, I live in this town. I was like, oh, I live in this town way up on the North Shore. She's like, that's so close to me. I was like, it's just not. It's just like two hours away. But uh, but yeah, so exchanging Snapchats here and there. And then we were like, fuck being in the front. This sucks. I want to go like actually like mosh pit with people and like hang out. So we moved back. We like voluntarily gave up our front row seats and moved back. And then the there's a bunch of different opening acts. So like five, you know, not five, sorry, um, four, four acts in total, three openers and then the main act. So we were there for like a long time so it's the second to last opening act and he's kind of losing the crowd a little bit we're kind of getting bored we're sitting there i'm starting to like talk with christian yeah. and Cam, which like you don't usually like talk about life during a concert you're there like listening to the music every now and then i'll be like wow this is cool we were like talking about life like we were sitting there like chatting it up like i'm bored of this guy already and then these girls came and like tapped us on the shoulder and they're like, can we dance with you guys? And it was fucking good night from there. Seth. <laughs> <laughs> game over at that point. <laughs> so one of them you actually knew it. they both, they both knew Michael, which was funny. No kidding. They knew Michael Lynch. So and the, the best part of the whole thing, we always give Michael shit for being way younger than us. Right. They were like, they live in the same town as Michael. I was like, Oh my God, do you know the Lynches? And they were like, yeah, um, they're like Michael and, and his sibling. And I was like, yeah, them. And I was like, oh, I'm like boys with Michael. And they're like, you're not his age, are you? <laughs> and I like I texted Michael. I was like, that's like the like Michael is just known for being young or like, like so universally. Funny. They're like, you're not his age. are you? And I understand the concern because it's an 18 and up concert. 
Right. And exactly. Michael's like 15 or something. Didn't he just turn like 14 or whatever? So, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't know. I understand the dilemma and why the question was being asked because like it's an immediate, you know, the night would have gone very differently had I been Michael Lynch's age. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was good to be back out again. Um, and I had, I had my fair share of fun. So yeah, that was my Friday. Saturday sucked. Weather was horrible. Thunderstorming here. Sunday, 4th of July. Uh, let me tell you how my 4th of July went. This might be the longest intro ever, but I don't give a fuck. Um, my 4th of July, I was at a, I was at a function, a party and Seth, like, I think you've seen what a party looks like before a 4th of July party, especially around here. You're tossing cornhole. Um, there's some, there's some drinks being shared. (laughs) There's, uh, there's, you know, games of sorts, all sorts of yard games, spike ball, this, that music blasting. It's a good time. You know, it's, you, you do it up, right? So I'm sitting there, um, talking, by the way, I showed up at this, at this party, um, and I only knew a few kids there. Uh, all of our, like, friends were working or not available. So Michael was away. Farula was away. Cam was working. Carp is working for the rest of his life. So I I literally, like, my central squad was unavailable. So, like, one of my other friends from Marblehead was like, hey, like, I was like, hey, what are you doing? He was like, I'm going to this thing. You want to come? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I showed up. A bunch of kids that I didn't know. I, automatically knew who I was through TBR. They're like, That's oh, you have that. they're like, you have that podcast. I'm like, yeah, they're like, sick. Like, I follow it. Like, I, I watch your videos on TikTok, whatever, like on Instagram. I was like, oh, this is dope. I was like a low-key celebrity at this party, which was cool. Um, so I was talking to like a bunch of people, just you know, meeting, you know, new kids, whatever, um, playing spike ball here and there, playing cornhole, dominating. Um, and I put the thing on the TBR story about, if you wanted to get a USA TBR basketball, that, jersey, yeah. you get 76% off for the one day because it was the 4th of July, you know, 1776. I thought that that number was clever. And I don't know. I don't know why I didn't expect this, but I didn't expect this. Um, so fucking fake account boys are back. The burners, um, they're back as because why wouldn't they be? And um, and they both slid up kind of, you know, sarcastically like, oh, can I have one? Can I have a fucking jersey? First of all, I think I've given one of them one too many jerseys. And let's, I'll just leave it there. Like, I've 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 given one of them a jersey. That I shouldn't have. So immediately the gall to even joke about me giving you more free shit guy or not free shit, but 76 percent off. Go fuck yourself. So I I pick a bone with one kid. I don't go after the other one. I pick a bone with the one who I'm fucking like, I'm done with this kid. So he says, can I get one? And I say, negative chance. And he goes, cool. Um, and then I and then I kind of poked fun at his size a little bit. Um, not his height, because I don't height shame, because I've said this to Cam. We talked about this yesterday, actually. Cam and I went to... Uh, we sat at a bar together yesterday. I think the people at the bar assumed we were 21 and we sat at a bar and watched Wimbledon, which was weird. Um, so we were sitting at the bar talking about like shaming. And I was like, I don't think it's okay to height shame because you're born like that. Um, but I think like every, like your physical, like weight shaming or like build shaming is okay because you can control that. If I want to get wicked jacked and take steroids, I can do that. 
or if I want to, you know, rock a nice cut Brendan Willett fit where I'm not too skinny, but I'm not, you know, Cam Brown, I can do that. Um, it's your choice. So if you're going to come at me, obviously I'm going to say that. So I said to the kid, if we get a shipment of extra smalls, I'll let you know, which was, I thought was a pretty clean diss. And then the best part about the whole thing is that this kid is smaller than me, like height wise. He goes, Thank you. <laughs> so he goes, aren't you five, seven, bro? I could ruin you. That line. I laughed out loud at mind you. I'm at a 4th of July function Seth. I'm trying to have fun. I'm buzzing off of my Friday night clubbing experience. I could give a fuck about these people, right? I don't, I could, I don't. And then he goes like, Oh, I've been told not to say anything more, which was like the funniest fucking thing to me ever was like, that's so pussy to me. And then he walks it back later. Like, like after I, after I responded to him there, I sent a picture of him where he literally looks like a squirrel. He looks like he's four foot 11, maybe 65 pounds. So I was like, this is you, right? That was the greatest response of all time. And then he like, and then he goes like, Oh, well, I've got some pictures I could show you too, but I won't, you know, that's when I know you have no ammunition because if you did, you, you, you would have sent something. So he's like, so I win. Again, just I just know I'm winning here. And Michael, because because this was on the TBR account, this was not on my personal account. Michael is obviously if you are logged into the TBR account, which all of us are at this point now. You you can, say, I, I've actually seen this conversation. It's right. So like in real time, Michael Lynch is getting these notifications. So he texts me. He's like, just don't like respond to them. He's like, like, what do you care? And I was like, I won't start anything with them. I won't instigate anything, but if you come at me, I'm not going to take it lying down. And, and Michael's like, all right, fair enough. He's like, and I clear, it was clear to see this kid unsolicited, just slid up on our story. And then he goes, all jokes. I'm just fucking with you that I hate when people do that. Yeah. I, it, I despise when people start something, go out of their way to start something with me lose to me and they're like oh i'm just messing around bro like we're all, we're all good we're, it's all jokes man it's not all jokes i just body bagged you get the fuck out of my dms honestly it, it's a joke at this point i hate that we have to keep talking about it but i wanted to come on because i know that people are listening like real fucking subtle guys i can see the demographics of the people who listen to the show there's like two from the same town that you both live in and that's it like i fucking know you're listening it's, it bothers me so much. It's so immature. The fact that, like I said on the on the episode that we had to talk about the burner account, if you're letting this go on, you know, like like if you're on the sidelines and you are allowing for this to happen, the fact that I haven't received an apology by now is bullshit. I'm sorry. The fact that you're letting this go on is a joke. And they get all bent when I post a TikTok that's like not even about them, but they want to make it about them. Like, can I, Seth, can I like post whatever I want at this point? Can I say whatever I want? I feel like, I feel like it's my podcast. I mean, uh, I, okay, I, not whatever I want, but I'm saying if I want to post a TikTok, I can post a TikTok. Yeah, no, I felt that way from the beginning of all this. I thought you right. had free reign. I think, I think I do too, but I post a TikTok that literally isn't even directed at them and they want to make it about them for some reason. And they're like, oh, dude, like, what the fuck is this? Like, that's bullshit. It's out of, it was uncalled for that you posted this. It's not about you. It, it, it literally isn't. 
we we have a TikTok account that's doing we got 20,000 views on like our second to last video. I got a thousand views on a video last night. We aren't just like throwing. I'm sorry, but I'm not as unpopular as you guy. I don't I don't get 10 views on my TikTok videos. We're a BFD. We're a big fucking deal. We're pulling like north of 10K on our videos. So when that happens, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep that going because it's a business at the end of the day. We're trying to grow a business. Not everything here is personal. Not everything that I'm saying, not everything that I'm posting, not everything that I'm doing is about you. Again, I have all of you in the rearview mirror. I went out clubbing on Friday night, for fuck's sake. Like, <laughs> I just I, I just love that I keep bringing that up. Um, it, it's like, I don't, I don't care about any of you anymore. The fact that you want to make it about you, go ahead. That's fine. If you want to, if you want to try and, and, you know, skew it to the, you know, your narrative is that I'm coming at you and everything that we're posting is about you. If that makes you sleep better at night, go ahead. But it's just not true. Like, like we're just, I've moved on from all of this and we're posting whatever we want now and it's doing well. The fact that you want to make it about you, go ahead, I guess. I don't care, but just leave me alone <laughs> at this point. Like, leave me alone. Like, sliding up on the story, you want to talk about uncalled for, sliding up on the story the other day was uncalled for. And the kid's, like, kid's DMing me, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just too busy having fun, man. Someone sent me a video of the party you were at, guy. I showed it to Cam yesterday. That shit looked lonely as hell. It was, like, five of you sitting, like, sitting in a living room, like, talking. That's not a party. It's just not. Like, I don't want a party shame. Because, like, I'm totally cool, like, hanging out with the boys, kicking back and just talking. But don't try and, like, flex on me when you are, like, when you're at the loneliest party ever. Literally. On the I mean, 4th yeah. of July, you were in someone's living room with all the lights on, by the way. Like, I don't know why that's relevant, but I feel like lights off is just a vibe. You, had a, you were just in a living room. You were in a living room. Like, like what the fuck? Are you going to try to flex on me? You're in a living room. Jeez. I just need to get that off my chest. Longest that's intro. Fair. I mean, that's you know, a very long intro. I mean, we've been on this call for a half an hour. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, hey, that's what the podcast's for, right? Like, Right. It's just like I'm sitting there on the 4th of July. This kid's ruining my 4th of July because I'm trying to, like, I'm not big of, like, when you're with people, you're on your phone the whole time. I don't like that. I think when you're with people, you're in the moment, you're talking to them. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to have fun. I was trying to listen to music. I was on the Ox a little bit. You know, showing some people some some cool new songs, some Lewis the Child, because I went to Lewis the Child on Friday night. And I was just trying to, like, you know, have a good time. And I've got to deal with this fucking kid in my DMs. It's just, like, annoying. Like, like stop. Like, just leave me alone. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't care about you anymore. You could go do whatever the fuck you want and, like, whatever. Like, it's over. Like, we buried, we buried, we didn't bury the hatchet, but I think we buried the fake account. Like, we buried the fake account. Like, we won. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I'm sure it won't we won't be this won't be the last we're talking about it because these people are wanna be five years old about everything and just continue to continue to put the, the TBR name in their mouths. That's fine. If you can't get enough of me, you can't get enough of me. I get that, you know, we're <laughs> we're we are literally living rent free in these kids' heads at this point. They're like copying our TikToks, they're like trying to say that like everything we post about them, they're like making fun of us, they're like playing mind games with us and you know, sliding in our DMs and like following us on TikTok, and, like blocking us on TikTok, like, like, hey, you think I don't see that all of this is going on? Like, who do you think runs all the accounts? Me and other people too, but like me, 
And right, but you're, <laughs> there's a difference between running the account and having the information for the account. Right, yeah. Because, like, <laughs> I now have the information for the TBR account on Instagram. Yeah. But do I actually post anything other than the story that went up last night and the stories that are going to go up over the next, like, two or three days? <laughs> no, I don't do anything other than those. Right. Like, that's so, it. like, I see it, and, like, my notifications are on. So, like, as soon as you send me a DM on the TV, and my notifications are on because, like, we have other people DMing us, like, hey, here's this business opportunity that we want you guys to be a part of. Take a look. Right. So, like, I don't, like, ignore the DMs. Like, I'm looking at the DMs constantly because, again, it's not a personal, like, fan page. TBR is a business. So, like, I am constantly looking at the DMs to see if new people, whatever. I'm constantly looking at the Instagram, the TikTok, the analytics, the this and that. I'm posting. I'm commenting. I'm interacting. I'm engaging. It's how you grow a business. That's how it works on social media nowadays. So, like, the fact that, like, you know, you think I wouldn't see all of this going on is beyond me, to be honest with you. It's so childish, honestly. I'm just done with it. But hey, I will. I the more you want to keep fucking with me, the more I'm going to keep talking about it on a podcast. So bring it on, guy. All right. While I'm heated, let's talk about the heated part of the episode that I want to talk about. This Olympic runner. We have oh, to talk hey. about it. Yeah, we have, we have to. I mean, we can't not talk about it. It's what everybody in America is talking ah, talking about right now, for the most part. Um, lighthearted stuff at the end of the episode in terms of the match and the Stanley Cup. But I want to talk about this Olympic runner. So there's this Olympic runner, um, Richardson, I think is her last name. Let me. Shikari Richardson. Shikari Richardson. Thank you. So she's like the, the runner. She's like good. Yeah, she's um, disgusting. I don't know how to like put it into running terms because I'm not like running man. Uh, she <laughs> was in like, tro- or I'm trying to think of when it was. I want to say in college, she ran a race that was like point four something seconds or point two something seconds off the world record for that race. Like her big race is the 100 meter dash, yeah. just like straight up sprint for like 300 feet, essentially. Yeah. Um, And so she's come very close to setting the world record in that. And she literally, I want to say she turned 21 in March, I think is what it was. So like she's young as hell and she's like already out here yeah. sniffing records. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Like, and like, wow. I'll like preface everything that we're about to say by saying that like, I think she's wicked talented. Like I think that that a hundred meter is like the, the most impressive heat. Is it, they call them heats or well, so it's, it's a heat until you get to the final because what happens oh, okay. is so it's, is a, it's that, just an event. So, right. Right. Yeah. So like in the Olympics and in Olympic style competitions, like track and field and that type of thing, there are multiple different heats, which are like your qualifying rounds. And then the top X number of people, I, I don't remember if it's from each heat or if it's from the entire thing. I want to say like the winner of every heat makes it on to the next round. And then there's like a couple extra spots for people who had fast times. Yeah. And then after that, it's, I think I don't know how many more rounds there are after that, but that's kind of like your basic format. So this was all of this happened around her Olympic trials, which is the qualifying rounds to get to the Olympics. So this is her running against a bunch of other American women who are trying to run to represent the United States in Tokyo this summer. Right. Yeah. So so like I think that that 
is wicked impressive to me. I think all Olympic events are impressive, but that one in particular, it just it highlights your like your jump. I don't even know what the right like word. Well, I mean, you have to sprint the entire length of a football field. Yeah, essentially. Like it's and insane. Like, it's not like a marathon or like even the longer ones where they go around the track a few times, um, where it's like it's about pace. This is literally about like you got to get a good jump, you've got to be a fast runner, and you've got to just go. And right. so I think I mean, that's she's, wicked, competitive, uh, wicked impressive. She, I forget what her exact time was, but like Usain Bolt runs his in like a little over ten seconds or something. Like I forget what his, but like. All the times are usually within like 10 to 12 seconds. So these people are yeah. basically running four second, 40 yard dashes, but two and a half times the distance. Yeah. Like they're maintaining a four second, 40 um, pace for two and a half times the distance of an actual 40 yard dash, which is insane. It's crazy what these people are able to do. Yeah, it's nuts. So she is the best at that. Um, if you haven't heard, which like if you've been living under a rock, I guess you ha- wouldn't have heard. She tested positive for cannabis, marijuana, and was suspended by the USOC, U.S. Olympic Committee. And then um, she was suspended for, like, a certain period of time, but, like, still 30 days. So at the end of the suspension, she still would have been allowed to do, like, the the relay, I think, right? So what happened was because she got the 30-day suspension, 30 days from now – Within that period, the Olympics will start and the 100 meters will run. Yeah. Right? So she'll still be suspended when the 100 meter will run. But because of the way that they set up the calendar for the track and field events at the Olympics, the four by, I forget if it was the four by 100 relay that they won her. I, I imagine it's the four oh, by I, I can check, but I, that sounds right. But the, um, that specific relay happens outside of that so it, it's like 31 days from whenever her suspension started right so that her suspension would be over by the time the event eventually happened but the um olympic committee decided to leave her off of the relay team right so they announced yesterday that that she will she will not be involved in the tokyo olympics at all um and hey Maybe no one will be. They just went on lockdown again in Tokyo, so right, maybe there yeah. won't even be an Olympics. But if let's let's just have the conversation that we're going to have if as if they're happening. Um, they leave her off the team. People were up in arms about the suspension to begin with, and now they're even more up in arms about um, the her being left off of just completely U.S. Olympics. She's not going to be running at all for Team USA. There are two ways that I think. You can attack this, and I've seen people attack this in a million different ways. So I've seen a lot of people coming to her defense because the rule because they think the rule is dumb. I think those are two separate things. I think that you could either attack the you could make an argument that the rule is stupid and that moving forward the rule should be changed, or you could make the the other argument that people are making is that the U.S. Olympic Committee is discriminating against her, um, which I don't see at all. Here's here's how I see it, and I'm going to put it pretty bluntly. There was a rule that was in place. She knew the rule. She broke the rule. She now has to pay the consequences. That That's that's about as night and day as I think it can get, and I think and that that's how everyone should see it. 
I think you could further put her aside. You could say, hey, this rule is kind of dumb. We should change it. Marijuana doesn't really affect the way that you run. If anything, it's going to make you slower. Exactly. So that that I think is where you could come in and make the argument like the rule is dumb. But I don't think that the rule is dumb and she shouldn't be suspended can be a part of the same conversation. It's like the rule is in place. She knew the rule. She broke the rule. Like there's there's really no exception to be made. Like I don't see how you can say like, oh, well, like the U. what, what is the U.S. Olympic? What do you expect them to do? Be like, you know what, guys, you're right. This rule is dumb. Come on back on the team. It's like, no, she knew the rule. Even if the rule is dumb, it's still a rule. Like, I think that there are laws and rules in life that are dumb, but I still follow them because they're rules. Because if I don't, then there's a price to pay for that. She and and here's the other thing, too, is like she she admitted to this, which she admitted to and she's owned up to it completely. Right. So, like, I don't want to attack her, which is I feel like we've done this on the podcast before where it's like. You know, there's a difference. to So I'm going at the people who are trying to defend her by saying the rule is dumb and that the U.S. Yeah. Olympic Committee is discriminating against her. She herself has literally come out and been like, no, like, this was my fault, guys. Like, I knew the rule. I still broke the rule. Um, and I first want to say that, like, you know, I do have a lot of sympathy for her because I believe the reason that she said she was smoking marijuana was because her mother had passed away pretty so recently. I'm so a mother passed away i'm still confused about the nature of the relationship because the initial report that i saw from one of the you know big you know reliable sports accounts that i follow on instagram said that she used the weed to cope after hearing from a reporter that her biological mother had died so what that says to me like i don't think they would have put the biological qualifier on it if she hadn't been adopted at some point. Right? Oh, so okay. I feel like she's got adoptive parents. Cause otherwise, why wouldn't you just say her mother died? Um, right. Yeah. So, but then for all I know, it's one of those situations where the mother was too young when she had the kid and she was a single mother and was afraid that she wouldn't be able to care for the kid. And so she put the kid in the system or whatever, and then developed a relationship once they got older. Right. So, you know, I'm not, I'm personally not going to speak much on the nature of the relationship because I just don't know much about it. Yeah, I don't know either. My only thought on that is if something life-changing happens to you and your first reaction is to go to marijuana or to go to drugs or to go to alcohol, that's a sign that you need help. Right. Right? That's a sign that, like... Yes and no, and I mean... You know, I, I understand, like, people smoke people smoke weed, like, all the time. Like, I can't say that I ever have, so I can't, like, relate to being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, weed is, like, so great. But, like, I know of famous people who have, and athletes who have said, like, I would smoke weed, like, before a game because it calms me down, calms my nerves, whatever. So, like, yes, I agree. Like, the sign that she, like, went to it, like, says that she needs help. But also, like, I, I, I'm not going to, like, sit here and be like, oh, like, she shouldn't have smoked weed. I mean... I could I could also sit here and say like, hey, you're an Olympic athlete. Like, you had the Olympics coming up in like right, you know, which is a couple weeks. Where, could it have waited? Probably. But right, which is you know to complete my point, you know the I I think that you should be able to be strong enough as a human being or to be able to recognize it that you don't need this outside help necessarily, right? Like there are ways for you to cope with tragedy and with anxiety that don't require a medication of some kind and you know while yes 
19 plus states in the United States have legalized or decriminalized marijuana use. That doesn't mean that sports leagues should now be permitting it, right? Because if you can't drive while under the influence of marijuana, how is it safe to go out on a football field under the influence of That's marijuana? A very how good is it point. safe to go out on a basketball field, onto a baseball field, right? Very and, good. you know, part of the reason why I think the rule is still in place, now obviously the NBA has changed a little bit. They, are, they aren't, for the time being, testing for marijuana anymore. They're only testing for performance-enhancing stuff. But, you know, I keep on seeing this post, you know, flying around of, you know, it's really impressive that she was able to just smoke the competition even with weed lungs. And in my mind, I think, well, that's exactly why the rule's there, because it's dangerous to smoke anything, right? Like smoking anything, regardless of if it's marijuana, if it's a cigarette, if it's a cigar, whatever it is that you're smoking, it's not good for your lungs. So the rule is in place to try and protect the athletes so that they're not damaging their lung capacity, right? Like, I feel like that's more the reason why that law rule is there than anything. Or, and, you know, maybe that's not the actual motivation behind it, but I think that should be the motivation behind it, right? Because, like, if, if I'm a committee of some kind or if I'm a league of some kind, I don't want to promote my athletes doing something that could be a detriment to their cardiovascular health. Now, I'm no... Yeah expert on drugs or marijuana and i get that there are a lot of positive benefits that people see but when you are an athlete that requires high respiratory performance and high quality respiratory performance smoking something is something that you should stay away from so i completely you know I agree with you with the the way we should be looking at this is there's a rule in place and she broke it. Right. And complete props to her because she totally owned up to it. She explained why. And I think that's, you know, as much as I disagree with the, you know, like it, it, I, I can't not really disagree, but like if I was in that exact same situation, I wouldn't have reacted that way, especially if I had a big race coming up in a week or 10 days, right. whatever it was. But that's just me, right? And you know, so it's a d- different strokes for different folks, right? But yeah. the the part that I take an issue with is when people are like, "Well, you can't just say rules are rules," and you know, that's that you're an awful human being, and you're you're not. No, like I, I have full sympathy for the situation that she's in. But at the end of the day, the rule is there, right? And yeah. she said that she knew that the rule was there, and she understood the rule. And so when you look at it too. Technically, it's supposed to be a three-month suspension, but she did, like, a rehab program and got it knocked down to 30 days, right? So it's not like they threw the book at her and didn't give her any chance of anything, right? Like, they said, okay, this is the base suspension. You can do this to shorten the suspension, and she did that, and then she and her team decided that it wasn't worth it to appeal. She, sure, you know, if she wanted to make a big thing about it, she definitely could have appealed. And if people want to have a conversation about the rule moving forward, you know, after this Olympics, as to, hey, maybe we should get rid of this rule, then fine. That's a fine argument yeah, that I think you That's make the conversation from- that should, if you're going to go that route, that's what should be had. Right. And that's where I think we're just losing a, a little sense of, like, logic and reality. I'm seeing, a, oh, my God, go on any single post that talks about this. You're going to see a lot of morons commenting on it. Um 
I will first say that I I have a ton of sympathy for her because a I appreciate the fact that like I think this is how I think she's handled it very well herself. It's like she owned up to it. She said like this is the reason why. I was, she said, she used the term blinded a lot. So I think she understands that she fucked up. Like, she's not trying to defend the decision and say, like, oh, this is why I did it, and this is why I think it's okay. She's like, no, it wasn't okay what I did, but, like, I lost sight of, you know, what was really important, and, like, I let my guard down, and, like, I'm going to pay the price for it. Like, that's okay. The the rule was the rule. I knew what the rule was. Like, at one point, she literally had to send a tweet out, like, guys, like, I, I know what the rule was like because a lot of people this is where my sympathy for her comes from. A lot of people just immediately created this false narrative for her. So a lot of people in mainstream media were like, oh, you know, she, you know, didn't know that this rule was in place because it's this dumb, minuscule rule. And she didn't know she was getting drug tested. So she literally sent out a tweet at one point. I saw it on ESPN. She was like, no, guys, like I knew the rule was a rule. I broke it. I chose to broke it. That was break it. That was my choice. Like I knew I was getting drug tested the next day. I, you know, I chose to do all of this. Like, it's my fault. It's no one else's fault. It's not the United States Olympic Committee's fault. It's my fault. So I give her a thousand percent credit for doing that because someone in her position who is is catching a significant amount of backlash and support. It's kind of weird. There's like a very weird clashing here of people who are very anti what she did and then people who are very pro what she did. Kind of just you know, there's really meeting head on here which is kind of odd. You don't really see this in a scenario that often that it's, it, it is this clear cut divided. So it's interesting to me that she definitely had an out, you know, like she could have someone in her position who was catching a significant amount of backlash with the amount of support that she had could have fallen back on the cliche of or, or the lie basically of like, I didn't know this was a rule. This is bullshit. They should let me run and try and like, right. you know, combat the whole situation she could have taken that out and made herself the victim but i but i give her props she's not she's owning up to it she's like this is what i did it was wrong and like you know this is no one else's fault except for mine so like stop saying that it is so then once she came out and said that you could see all the people that were pro her were like fuck we need a new argument so they were like oh this rule is bullshit so now that's all you see. So for the first few days, it was like, this is dumb. This is like, she didn't know, like, this is the USOC, like, throwing random drugs. It's like, not random drug testing. They're, all, they're at the Olympic athletes. They're all getting drug tested. Um, and, and then once that was proven false by her, the source, the primary source, they were like, shit, what do we, what do, we do now? So they, they moved, they switched gears, and they moved to the, this rule is dumb, let her run bullshit. So this is where I think these professional athletes who have been speaking out on Twitter need to take a more TBR approach and shut the fuck up until you know the whole story. It could have been real easy for us to come on this podcast a few days ago when all the news first broke and rip into her. Be like, you're an Olympic athlete. You shouldn't be taking drugs. This is a bad look on America. This is bullshit. But then we let the story unfold. A few days later, we learned that a, she owned up to it, and B, she said that, you know, these were the reasons why. And it seems like a pretty valid reason for someone to be upset. We don't know oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the direct relation, if it was like a, they say biological mother, she may be adopted, whatever. Anyone who's a part of your life, even if you don't, like, know them like that, but still, like, connected, that's a pretty heavy thing to have to, you know, deal with. So once we learned that, it's like, all right, she's owning up to it. She had a pretty valid reason. 
I don't have any reason to be mad with her. She's handling this like an adult. She's handling this how I think all pro athletes should handle a situation like this. Grant, you don't want to see anybody go through a situation like this, but when it presents itself, I think she's handling it very well. So then we collected that information and said, all right, what's our angle on this now? And our angle is that the people who are trying to defend her need to shut the fuck up. And the people who are putting backlash on her need to shut the fuck up. I think that it's as very clear cut as this. Like I said earlier, there was a rule. She knew about the rule. She broke the rule. There are consequences. She understands the consequences and owns up to it. That's it. I don't think there should be anything more than that. And people are going to try and throw shit against the wall and see what sticks just to see if they can get a rise out of people and get a reaction. And that's fine. I understand how media works. I think we understand how, how you know, getting views and getting shit works. Look at our most listened to episode. It was three episodes ago. It was the one where we were shit talking people for an hour and a half. It's what gets right. clicks. So I understand ESPN, Bleacher Report, all these people on Twitter trying to get a rise out of people. Because if, if they were to just tweet out like, oh, um, Shakari Richardson broke the rule but owned up to the rule and everything's okay now, guys. It's, it's about as clear cut as that. There's no hysteria around it. There's no controversy. We're good. Who the fuck's gonna react to that? You know? You're not gonna you're not right. gonna get your page views up, you're not gonna get likes, you're not gonna get retweets. So I understand that they're trying to get a reaction out of people. And they are. We're doing a podcast about it right now. But I just think that these pro athletes should take a more mature approach. Here are some here are some of your favorite pro athletes tweeting about this. This is bullshit, to be honest. Odell Beckham Jr. This that bullshit, Damian Lillard. Majority of the rule makers smoke and probably are investors in THC companies. Let's stop playing these games. Dwayne Wade. Shaking my head. Isaiah Thomas. Wait, the Olympics are testing for performance diminishers now? Seems like a poor use of resources. Joe Thomas. This is just nonsense. Marcus Lattimore. Oh, so Shikari Richardson reached the level of fame where it's try and find anything to mess with her? Got it. Jamal Crawford. Uh, how many was that? Like six or seven? Six or seven idiotic comments made by pretty notable professional athletes. There. Yeah, just completely off base. Bro. Why, like, no why are we Why are we trying to spin this into like the Olympics are out to get her? Newsflash for you morons. She was their number one runner. You think they wanted to suspend her? No. Yeah, no, there's no <laughs> way. We just cost ourselves a few gold everybody. medals. Yeah. <laughs> you think they really wanted? They were like. The Jamal Crawford one pissed me off so much. She reached the level yeah. of fame where it's try and find anything. Dude, they're Olympic athletes. They're getting they're getting drug tested like every single day. Yeah, first off, first <laughs> this off, is this, new. Is, this is regular, right? This is a normal thing that happens. They always test them after their races. But also, now granted, I'm not the biggest like track and fields like fan or whatever. Like it's not something that I'm gonna follow unless I'm watching it during the Olympics. Yeah. I hadn't heard of her until she ran her race. Like, the first time I had heard of her was when she ran her race and was, like, super close to breaking the world record in her qualifier. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you heard the next day that she tested positive for marijuana, which I should say it feels very weird to say tested positive and not have COVID at the end of that sentence. Yeah. But, um, but you know, she had the marijuana. like, And it's not, like, Phelps got tested. Phelps got, I don't actually know what the fallout of the Phelps thing officially suspended. was. I feel, yeah, I, was, I feel like he got suspended. But, like, no one was like, oh, Phelps is so famous that they had to come and drag him down. Now, granted, it is like they're coming from the view of she's a black woman and he's a white man. So, like, you know, but, that's but he, where they got suspended. 
Right, exactly. I think longer than her. Let me look it up, but I'm pretty sure they threw the book at him big time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not an expert in any of this, but it's just like, look, she she got the suspension. You know, it's, it's not... Like, they were just like, oh, hey, you just ran a really good race, so we're going to only drug test you. No, everybody got drug tested. You know, it'd be, it, it would be different, and they would have an argument if it was a random drug test, and she was the only person who got randomly drug tested. But the reality of the situation is, is that everyone gets drug tested after this race. And so there's no way that there was any level of, like, we're trying to bring this specific person down. So Phelps was suspended for three months and lost financial compensation from the U.S. Olympic Committee and lost a ton of sponsorships as well because at that time, he'd already been in a major Olympics and had a, he was the guy. He was the Apollo Ono of swimming because Apollo Ono is our favorite Olympic athlete. At Team Love Olympics. Apollo Ono. He's, a, he's the Apollo go. Ono of swimming. And he was, so he had mad sponsorships, so he lost a ton of sponsorship deals. And then people are saying like, oh, well, the Phelps was suspended like after the Olympics, like before the – before the um, World Swimming Championships, I don't, I don't know, but I don't, I mean, I don't see how it's different. Well, wh- what year was he suspended? Two thousand and nine. But I don't, did he? I don't think he so, tested so, so, positive so before the game. If, if he got suspended in two thousand and nine, that means he was doing some swimming event and got tested. There, it's this was not pre. The, the, right, it, I don't think he was like tested before Beijing. It wasn't like they specifically waited until after Beijing to suspend him. He didn't actually test positive for marijuana until '09. Right. He didn't test positive until after the Olympics. You I'm fairly certain. I mean, I'm trying to figure it out. This article, this article is also like wicked. Like, because 2009, Beijing was 08, Vancouver was 2010. Right. So there wasn't another Summer Olympics ah. until 2012. He did not test positive before the Olympics. Right. So, so people, so yeah, so, so perfect like, oh, example of perfect example of fake news right here. So I click the top article. So I look up Michael Phelps suspension. I click the top article. It says how Shikari Richardson's Olympic suspension differs and is similar to Michael Phelps suspension. And the immediate thing was they say the difference was that Phelps was suspended in February 2009, six months after the 2008 Olympics. But they never said anything about when he tested positive. Literally the next article. No, Michael Phelps did not test positive for marijuana before competing in the 2008 Olympics. So, again, it's it's those subtle details that all these bullshit media outlets are, are just leaving out that spark a reaction. Like, look at how pissed off I just got because they left out a little detail about how it, it, right. it's, it's, a, it's a little detail, but it makes a big difference. Because there you're trying to make it seem like, oh, the U.S. Olympic Committee, like, allowed Michael Phelps to compete in the Olympics and then suspended him. No, he didn't test positive until after the fact. She tested positive two weeks before. What are they going to be like? All right, yeah, so you can run in the Olympics, which are the, the biggest athletic, you know, the biggest athletic competition in the world, and then we'll suspend you from running in, like, the local championships. No, like, you test positive before the Olympics. You're not going to run in the Olympics. He, tes- he did not. T- if, if Michael Phelps had tested positive before the 2008 Beijing Games, he would not have swam. Swam, 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 swam. Swam, swam, swim, swim, swimmed. He would not have swimmed. That's it. <laughs> I'm making yeah, it. I'm you're changing right, you're it. Right. No, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's swam, but we're changing it to swimmed right now. He would not have swimmed in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. I am now changing the rule. Per me, it's no longer swam. 
the past tense to I think swim. It is swim. Is it actually? No, I think it, it's swam. Uh, it, I, it sounds, I swam. Sw- swimmed. Swimmed sounds so wrong, but so right. Sound, yeah, it sounds like a normal word. Like, it's not like it's some <laughs> fake word. Ah, whatever. He, he would not have sw- swummed in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. I guarantee you that. People are trying to spin this. Okay, so this is this has happened before where, especially these athletes, like I saw Mahomes tweet about it. Obviously, our guy Brawny had to get his two cents in there because <laughs> it, would, it would be a slow news day if it weren't for LeBron James giving his opinion about something. Oh, when you said Brawny, I thought you were talking about LeBron James Jr. because no. there was that whole Instagram <laughs> live thing that he was on where he was smoking. Oh, I forgot about that. Unintentional correlation there. I meant... I meant LeBron James, the Did, did, did the LeBron boy. speak up on it? Because I didn't see his... Uh, I did. His I don't know if he deleted it, but someone sent it to me when he did, and I was like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Everyone knows I don't like LeBron. So okay. LeBron could tweet out, like, 4 plus 4 equals 8, and you'd be like, fuck this guy, I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other like, thing it literally doesn't was, matter what the content. Of the, yeah, that's what it was. So now I remember what happened. So I don't remember if he tweeted out specifically about her. But after this all happened, LeBron, who is not competing in the Olympics this summer anyway for the men's basketball team, LeBron releases like a statement through his agent and is like, I don't think I'm going to compete in the Olympics ever again because of everything that's happening. Oh, is that what he said? I thought he yeah. was saying that because he's old as shit. No, so it said, so they cited age and then recent events, recent like Olympic events as the reasons. Oh, so they did really- talk about his age. And, like, makes sense. By the time the next Summer Olympics rolls around, LeBron might not even be in the NBA anymore. Like, we don't know what the next four years is going to bring. Let's think about this. LeBron was 18 years old in 2003, so he's 36 now. He's, he would be 40 years old by the next time you Olympics. Yeah, so that's old for a basketball player. He might not, yeah. So, and to, the basketball Olympics are a joke anyway, so it's not like I care. Right, it's, it's literally the U.S. and Argentina. But it's or, just well, like, no, US it's like what I said about the NBA finals, the other, or about the NBA playoffs. LeBron gets eliminated from the playoffs. He can't handle his name not being in the spotlight. He tweets out a bunch of bullshit. He changes, he, he changes his jersey number and, like, makes a big deal out of it. Space Jam gets released. Um, he right, just, but, well, he well, loves to keep him spelled. You, you I, I, I actually, I have I a beef with joking. people. I, like, I know they have the release date. Because, <laughs> like, there were people, someone tweeted, and it was like, Michael Jordan won an NBA championship and then released Space Jam. And then LeBron gets eliminated in the first round of playoffs, and then he releases Space Jam. And I was like, okay, but... Jordan decided to do Space Jam and film Space Jam after coming back from baseball and then decided that he needed to get back into basketball shape while filming Space Jam and so was running pickup during that time. Can I just say something? I don't think they're good movies. Oh, I like Space Jam. I love Space Jam. I think, I, I think the second one hasn't come out yet, so I'll have yeah, to wait I saw the trailer that. though, and I'm not I, watching I hope that they're shit. Not high for, for this <laughs> new Space Jam movie, like they're not high at all. But uh, LeBron's I, in it. I don't think anyone should go and watch it. That should tell you to not watch the movie. Yeah. LeBron I mean, James is in it. Right. But like, <laughs> Listen, LeBron, I, okay, LeBron was actually. Have you seen the movie Trainwreck? I have. He's funny in Trainwreck. He I'll is. give him credit. Good. That's what. That's more his. Like, if he's going to go into like entertainment, which I. A million percent is after after basketball life after basketball as they like to call it do more of like those supporting roles i think the space jam movie's gonna suck but uh, that's 
not relevant. Right. But like people, people, I saw people doing that and they were like, there's levels to this. And I was like, well, LeBron won a championship and then decided to start filming Space Jam. Jordan lost in like, yeah, I, I forget if it was the second round or if it was the Eastern Conference finals and then decided to film Space Jam while he needed to get himself back into shape and completely reconstruct his body. But, you know, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I'm going to. It's just, it's LeBron. I just think he can't keep his name out of the news. He literally can't. So, like, literally, all this Olympic stuff is happening, and then all of a sudden I see, scroll across the bottom of the screen, LeBron James says that he's not going to compete in the Olympics anymore, citing age and recent controversial events in the Olympics as reasons. It's like, no one gives a fuck, LeBron. Like, (laughs) when was the last time you competed in the Olympics anyway? (laughs) Well, 20... Was it Rio? Did he play on the team that year? I yeah. thought a bunch oh, of yeah. players dropped out that year because of the finals. I thought, well, like, Curry and him, all the Americans from the two NBA finals teams dropped out of the Olympics. Or maybe I'm thinking about a different thing. I'm looking. I don't know why. Maybe I'm thinking men's USA basketball team was coached by Bayheim, Tibbs, a bunch of other guys. So Jimmy Butler, Katie, Andre Jordan, Lowry, Barnes, DeRozan. I'm not seeing James. <laughs> yeah, you'd be right. Ha, fuck that pussy. And no curse. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, so the London games, like 10 years ago, nine years ago. Right, but that was really also one of the, the craziest teams, like, ever put together. Like, they're that wasn't Redeem Team, right? That was 2000, 2008 was Redeem Team? 2008 was Redeem Team, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, it, it was, like, the, the 20, let me double-check the roster real quick, but I'm pretty sure that the starting lineup was literally LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, uh, Kevin Durant, um, Carmelo Anthony, uh, who else is on that team? Uh, Dwayne Wade, I want to say, was one of the starters. I mean, this roster is ridiculous. It was Tyson Chandler, Kevin Durant, LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Darren Williams, Andre Iguodala, Kobe, Kevin Love, James Harden, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, and Carmelo Anthony. That's a good roster. It was an unbelievable roster. So, like, at any one point, if you were an opposing team, you had to go up against Russell Westbrook, Kobe Bryant, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James. Like, all at the same time. Yeah. It's... Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Kudos to them and kudos to LeBron for continuing to piss me off every single day of my and his existence. Literally can't keep his name out of news for a second. Not everything. I guarantee you LeBron's going to like, he just tweets all the time. Like, go to his Twitter. He's just commenting. He's a commenter. He's an Instagram. He's an internet commenter is what he is. I guarantee you like some, you know, whenever something happens, he tries to, there's one thing for like, I appreciate Twitter because athletes can like show their support or whatever. And like professional athletes. So like if something happens, like I think the perfect example is that the Danish soccer player who collapsed on the field during the Euro early on played for Denmark. Um, like tons of professional athletes. As soon as that happened, like, you know, prayers up, like, you know, this is like, you know, prayers with him and his family, like hoping for the best, like that, I think is always a good, wholesome show of support from professional athletes on Twitter. What, you know, something that you, you in the pre-Twitter era didn't get to see, you didn't really get a ton of athletes two cents on things in the moment like that because Twitter didn't exist. So obviously you would have press conferences and all this and like interviews, but that would happen after the fact. You didn't have any real time stuff. 
So I always appreciate the that side of the pro athlete Twitter world when it's like wholesome. But I don't appreciate LeBron trying to make every single thing about him. Like he's not just tweeting about things. He's tweeting about things and then being like, yeah, this is about me. Like I guarantee like like he just everything is about him. Like I'm watching Wimbledon right now, so I'll use this example. I guarantee when the Wimbledon like finals are over, he's gonna tweet out like, Congrats to whoever. Like I remember when I played tennis one time, like you know, it's like no one no one yeah. cares a lot. He's gonna be like champions like us or whatever. He's like, you know, welcome to the club. Just reminding everyone that he's LeBron James. Like, I understand, dude. I know who you are. I get it. Um so special you have a special place in my heart, LeBron James. All right, quickly before we move on, because since we're on the topic of um, rules, quickly, do you think that Reggie Bush should get his Heisman back? So it's weird, right? Because, you know, there is this whole argument surrounding, like, you know, to go back to the weed thing, right? Like there are people that are in jail in states where weed is legal, right? They're in jail for possessing marijuana and yeah. they're in a right so it's changed but th- so there's this whole debate as to whether or not like you know if you did something that back then was considered a crime but then today it's no longer considered to be against the rules then can you retroactively change it and it's a weird situation right because like you know if, if we're talking like a speeding ticket or something right like say i got a speeding ticket in a, on a street where the speed limit was like 45 right yeah and i was doing 50 and a 45 and then all of a sudden two years later they changed the speed limit to 50 i can't then go back and get a refund on my speeding ticket and get my speeding ticket off right because there was a rule at the time and i broke it but this one's a little bit different right because we've actually had supreme court rulings that are like the ncaa is corrupt and doing something that's illegal right so that to me is it makes it different and i actually think that they should give him his heisman back and they should reinstate all of his numbers and records and stuff just because like if the supreme court says that something that an organization doing is doing is illegal then it's probably like that's i'd say that's a good enough reason to say hey retroactively we can say that you didn't actually break any rules Right. And I agree. I think it's a similar conversation to the Olympic thing that's going on right now. And I think there's two kind of sides to it. You can say, okay, so it was a rule back then that was broken. So like theoretically he's not out of the woods now that the rule is changed because when it was in place, he broke it. So that that would be like, like you said, I think the marijuana is a perfect example. Marijuana is now legal in a bunch of places, but 20 years ago, 10 years ago, it wasn't. So people who, are in jail for marijuana charges from 10 years ago, should they be released now? Because it's legal now, even though the principle of it is that they broke the law back then. So that it, it, it gets all messy when you go into that thing. The difference with the Reggie Bush thing is that the situation is not as clear cut as like there was a rule and like he like blatantly knew about this rule and broke the rule and like has to pay the consequences. It's different from where I see the Shikari Richardson thing. This was an allegation that he had received some improper benefits from some boosters and alumni at USC to entice him to go to the school um, during his recruiting phase. And then that there were like incentives when he was at the school for him to like play well and whatever and shit like that. These, there was a full investigation launched into USC. Reggie Bush in the end voluntarily gave up his Heisman. But there was never, I don't think, at least to the best of my knowledge, a point where they're like, 
concrete evidence that Reggie Bush was a thousand percent aware of all of the, you know, everything involved in the situation, right? Like I'm fairly, and I've seen the, the, the 30 for 30 on ESPN about USC during that season. And I'm fairly certain that he knew, but didn't know all of it. I think that was going on. Yeah. And it's, it gets really confusing, right? Because like a lot of the stuff is like, like, I don't know. Have you watched the ones on Miami, the 30 for 30s on Miami? Um, it, it's just called the U. No. But there, I mean, the University of Miami had, I mean, like you were saying with boosters, right? Like the University of Miami has had tons of scandals when it comes to boosters. But a lot of these issues were like, like, sure, some of them were like big, you know, gifts or whatever. But then some of it was like, yeah, a dude took him out to dinner and like paid for the dinner. And yeah. that's a violation of the NCAA rules because it's it's more than like 20 bucks or something. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and that's where it gets ridiculous. And that's why, you know, when the case got brought up to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court was like, yeah, what the NCAA is doing is trash and is illegal. And so they should fix it. And then yeah. they did. Yeah. But so I see I see I, the I think, issue there. I, the only thing that I think would be a big, like, I think social media backlash towards the NCAA is always high, right? Like, they're, it's very rare to find someone that's actually defending the NCAA. Yeah. And then, you know, everyone's been so vocal about it because nobody hates Reggie Bush, right? Like, I, I don't know that I've ever heard of someone who's like, ah, fuck Reggie Bush, man. Yeah, I love um, Reggie Bush. But, like, I just feel like that sort like, the social media campaign is going to be enough to get him his Heisman back. The only thing that I look at it and say, like, that that's one obstacle that might be tough to overcome is the fact that he voluntarily gave it up because that to me, it says like he pled that's like pleading guilty, right? Where it's yeah. like, you're trying to get a more favorable punishment by just admitting that you did it. Right. Cause like if he, if he was totally set in, like I never accepted anything that was against NCAA rules, I don't think he would have voluntarily given up his Heisman, right? Like that the only situation in which you would voluntarily give that up is if you were actually guilty of what they were accusing you of. I um, I think that here's the here's the difference that I see is this investigation happened like four years after he won the Heisman or five years after he won the Heisman. Right. Which to me so, is like there should well, be a he also I think him forfeiting it at that point, he was like I, he already had a Super Bowl at that point, right? He won with the Saints, right? Uh, I don't remember if he won with the Saints or not. I think uh, he was he, there he when they won after Katrina. He did, he but I'm fairly... Let me look. I'm on his page right now. Career history. New Orleans Saints, 2006 to 2010. Yep, Super Bowl champion. So he did. And yeah, I mean, at that point... First team All-Pro, first team rookie. So at that point, when you yeah, already like, won the Super Bowl... In the NFL, I think, make a million. Right. So at that point, him forfeiting it, I think it was more like, all right, let's just put this thing to bed. Like, I'm not at USC anymore. I just won a Super Bowl. I'm first team all pro. You know, I was first team all rookie my rookie year in the NFL. Like, I don't necessarily need this. Looking back on his career, obviously, you're going to want that Heisman. I think that's why he wants it back now. And it's more so just like bullshit to did it. Yeah, but in the moment, I'm pretty sure he was probably like, all right, whatever we can do to just get this put to bed and sweep it under the rug. If I have to voluntarily give up a Heisman, Go for it. I just won the Super Bowl. So that that was probably his mentality back then. But I agree now that it's kind of, you know, like if you're going to reverse the rule, I understand the reasoning for him wanting it back. But then again, it's like it's so it's so 
shady. Because, like you said, taking a player, a booster, taking a player out to dinner and paying for the dinner was technically illegal. And obviously, and there were like cars involved in this, so we really don't know the full of it, and we probably never will. And there's a million different cases like this, the whole Rick Patino thing at Louisville too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like taking his players out to the casinos and like that's you know the whole recruiting oh, yeah, the process and everything. I remember yeah. that. That was the a whole. Huge one. The whole recruiting process for college athletics is really so corrupt. And it's so yeah. toxic because, you know, and granted, the, I don't blame these college coaches. You have to do whatever you can. If you have a five-star recruit, that he could, let's say football, a five-star recruit for football could easily pick Bama, could easily pick Clemson, any of it could easily pick Ohio State, could easily, but could also not want to go to like the top of the top and become like one of the stars at like a lower tier, like maybe like a, a Big 12 or a Pac-12 school or something like that. There's endless opportunity for these kids coming out of high school when you're that good, they have so many options. So if you're a college coach and you really want a player, you've got to stand out in the recruiting process. You've got to promise them things. You've got to show them life. You're not just going to be like, all right, this is our football team. We're the great. I mean, maybe Nick Saban can do this. You know, yeah, Nick team. Saban's probably just like, Hey, this is when, Alabama. When Nick and Boomer recruit, papers. when Nick and Boomer go on their recruiting trips, it's just like, here's Brian yeah. Denny to my left. Here's fucking, um, to a tongue of Iloa or whatever. Uh, granted, Tua wouldn't exist. Here's yet. no, it, it, that's Brian Denny. Here are your uh, scholarship papers. Have Here's fun Matt McTaggart, and, <laughs> what, and what was I'm, the name of that? Oh, there, there was that one AJ McCarron. Just like AJ McCarron. Here, here's AJ McCarron, man. Hey, don't rip on AJ McCarron. He was a good like half starter oh, for the Bengals. <laughs> he was your prototypical Alabama quarterback was dirty in college and probably was looked better than he actually was because he had unbelievable offensive talent around him and then flamed out in the NFL. Yeah. Easily. Alabama. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're not quarterback any, university, so there are any you, quarterback. So. Right. Yeah. Any quarterback that ends up in Cincinnati's, you know, going to have a rough time, but Hey, if Joe Burrow could do it, well, he couldn't, he tore his ACL. <laughs> right, but he was, he was playing really well before he told it, tore his ACL. So. Throw, and we've had this conversation. He was throwing for a shit ton of yards because he had to. I don't think he was all that good. <laughs> That's fair. Anyway, and I just yeah. can't wait for Josh Allen to shit the bed next year. He's just not going to. So He, he will. He will. He's just not. He's going to. He's just not. Uh, all right. We have about 15 minutes left. Less than. Uh, very quickly, I want to talk about the match. I was going to talk about the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, but I think we'll save that for the next episode. I'd like Michael to be on that episode, too, because he has a lot of good two cents about the way that the divisions were this year and how bullshit this is. I just would like to say one thing. I saw the Bleach Report send out a thing today that said the Lightning are the NHL's newest dynasty. In zero way is that true. Let's just let's just throw that out there, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. You win. You have to win three and be a dynasty. You also have to not win in a year where you're gifted a path to the Stanley Cup both years. That's, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, they had to play a JV team this year, and they literally had to play in a bubble last year where the where there right, were no divisions. My thought, I, I think that they've been the best team, though. Oh, like, I'm not doubting. Can, I'm not saying that they're the they're, they're not the best team, but. It's way too early to call them a dynasty after winning. Oh yeah, two no, absolutely, absolutely. No, yeah, yeah, no. You have to, you have to win three to even be considered a dynasty, right? Like that's that's the minimum. In my book, three real ones too. I'm not counting these first two. 
I mean, you, you have to win. It's it's three in like four years or three in five years to be considered a dynasty. Like that's like the official definition of it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about it on a different episode, but I just wanted to throw that out there really quick. Okay, the match. Yes. I have a proposal going forward for how the match should run because I see a lot of people. We talked about the original match way back. Carp and I talked about Tiger versus Phil the first time that it right. happened. And we the one like, where the pay-per-view got all screwed up and they ended yeah. up giving it to everybody for free. Yeah. So the the biggest issue throughout all of these, with not just me, with a lot of people, is that it's boring, it's too long, there's a lot of downtime, uh, they right. should speed it up. But, hey, in reality, the golf-watching experience for most people when you're watching a PGA Tour event, you're jumping around from different groups. They're not playing slow. That's, right, exactly. That's They're how playing long a normal it pace. It's just that you're following one group. Right, but when you're watching, you know, the Masters or the Open or the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship, whatever it may be, you're not seeing the, the them walking, or I guess they were driving carts in this case, but you're not seeing in between shots. You're cutting to a shot, you see the shot, you cut to someone else on a different hole. So the golf-watching experience, when you're following one group, that's what it is. It's boring. Um, I would, I would argue, I think my issue with the tiger and Phil one was that the dialogue seemed forced. I would say this one, the dialogue did not seem forced. I think they were very natural. Um, yeah, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. There were a couple of times in there where it was like, you could tell that Phil was trying to make it entertaining for people watching. Well, Phil, like, I think was far and away the most entertaining one. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and like, I have no beef with Phil. I'm just saying like, there were a lot of times where he was like, he was acting as if he was a journalist and like trying to get Bryson to explain yeah. what he was thinking, which I love. Like, I love that Phil was like, because Phil's smart, right? So Phil knows that there's going to be people watching. They're going to want to know what's going on inside of the other guy's heads, right? Yeah. Like we want it, like those of us who enjoy the sport of golf, like to hear what professional golfers think when right. they're going through a shot process, Even, right? yeah like, like there think, was like you said at one point they they gave them the putt so they conceded the hole but phil was like all right we're going to concede this hole but even so talk us through right Bryson, exactly your right. Line yeah there were a couple of points thinking. like that and it was like and, and bryce nailed that putt too which was pretty funny like yeah. i thought that was but um but no like i liked i, I liked how it went out like that and so there, there, i mean obviously there's that like little bit of an awkward like you can tell that he's just trying to get it to work but i think that that was mostly because Bryson is just kind of a awkward guy. And yeah. so when you, you know, like it's, yeah, it's, it's I, tough to keep it entertaining. When you I don't have that. an issue yeah. with the dialogue portion of it. I feel like in years in, in the matches past, it was a little kind of cringy and you could see what it was forced, but I thought Phil was really vocal. Brady and Aaron Rodgers were like, meh, whatever. They had some funny like talking points that people like to right. pull out of proportion. I don't have an issue with the dialogue. I think going forward to make the viewing experience better for all of us watching, make it nine holes and do away with, I understand that it's for charity and I understand that you're raising a bunch of money and that's why you have these stupid side competitions. Do away with the whole gimmick of the competition portion of it. Because I think yeah. for me, so I'm watching, especially towards the end, I feel like Brady and Phil were down two with three to play. They were down three with five. Three with something like that at one point. And then they were like, well, <laughs> uh, they, no, I think they lost three and two. I'm trying to, because no, they definitely lost three and two because they were. What happened was they needed to win out in order to um tie, and then 
Bryson and Rogers ended up like out of bounds in the shit on like three straight shots. Yeah. And then somehow Brady couldn't like, yeah, I don't know what the heck happened. And they, but at, at one point, the hole they with, were at what, at one point it was, it was a situation that actually for the first time had gotten competitive. It was like, Oh shit, they need X, Y, and Z to happen to, to win or to tie or whatever. Well, and then they were like, the one club. that they was the, with yes. the one club. And challenge. then they were like one club challenge. Immediately when I hear one club challenge, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. I'm not a fan of one club challenge at all. Actual putters on the putter. I wish they would just play it straight up. I, I think the one club challenge is so dumb. It's it, because it's not it's not an accurate depiction of what a what your hole would be like. You're playing like right, like right. Exactly. One of them had a P wedge. One of them had a three wood. It's you're not. It was it was not a actually wedge. a hole of golf. <laughs> it, it was it was a pitching wedge. A th- so. Bryson got the pitching wedge. Then Rogers had the three wood. Mickelson had what was called on the sheet a four iron, but he doesn't carry a four iron, so I think he went with a four hybrid. And then Brady had the seven iron. Yeah, it was, and then Brady just, just missed the putt with the seven iron. Like it wasn't I, even like he misread it; he literally just pushed it left. I was yeah. like, I think that for the entertainment portion of it, it's way too long. Especially, it's, it's so there is more downtime than there it is also play. Started late because everything I saw said it was supposed to start at five. I didn't six. miss. I didn't miss anything, and I was in surgery. Like I literally, it started, like, I thought, it started wicked late. Also, the yeah. broadcast crew was weird. They yeah. got like Larry. It's Larry Fitzgerald. I felt so bad for him. They had positioned like they have the four chairs like they usually do, yeah. and they put Larry like staring into the sun. So the whole time they're like, Larry, what do you think of that shot? And he's like, Um, well. Can't fucking see like he was squint. He literally couldn't open his eyes, yeah. which I felt the whole time too. It felt so bad for him. I'm like give him, give the guy some sunglasses or something. Like he can't see uh, anything. So, it was just, it was, they, they really they leaned in a little bit too much to the like TV entertainment gimmick of it. Well, like, that's the issue is that there's there was more non golf than there was golf. Right, exactly. We watched them drive around the golf course like, and talk more than we did watch them play golf. Right. Larry Fitz is, you know, obviously a football player, but he also plays in like pro-ams and stuff, right? Like, you know, like the charity stuff. And then you've got Charles Barkley, who might have the single worst golf swing of all time. Like, just, I, you know, what are we doing here? And then they had the play-by-play guy that does basketball for TNT. Like, not it wasn't Kevin Harlan. It was one of their other, it was one of their other guys that they have that was doing it. And then I think they had someone who plays golf. Yeah, it was. That's the other thing too. And like, we could go on and on about it. We literally have two minutes until we need to start the outro. But the tech, the technological portion of it, they struggled with audio. They struggled. The cameraman sucked. Yeah, they, were, the, they the couldn't find AirPod the balls. Thing is, the AirPods. Weird. It was bad. Like all of it, bad. They this channel doesn't do golf. They're not the golf channel. They're not NBC. They're not CBS. They they aren't specialized in broad, broadcasting golf events. So I think. Moving forward, make it nine holes. Do away with the one club challenges and the longest drives, whatever. I think longest drives, like for charity, is fine. But then Bryson's like, I'm gonna tee up one more. That's to me when you lose the essence of like the competitiveness. Kind of right. like how my issue with the Winter Classic, it, it becomes like a gimmick almost. 
It was like right. Bryson's like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a mulligan here. It's like there's no mulligans. Like what right now, <laughs> but the point the point of him doing that was because he really wanted to see if he could get that 500 um, yard drive because it was yeah, for but, charity, right? Like again, like that, but but again, but Phil was like, you know what? I'm not gonna tee another one up, but like I'll donate. That's fine. How about you do that? If you're gonna do the longest yeah. drive for charity, just make it your normal tee shot, and then whoever gets the longest drive off the tee, then like wins the longest drive, and you do charity, whatever. It it, it just seemed way too gimmicky to me. Make it nine holes. Right, but it that would one, be shorter, that one it would be a, better. That one was a weird one just because it wasn't a competition, right? It was if anybody can Hits drive yeah. past 500, we'll give 500,000 meals. And I understand it. And they they didn't do it on the first one, but they, like, did it. But there was another longest drive, too, that was a competition right, there, early there, on. There was one yeah. that was actually longest drive. And then there yeah. was, like, CTP, which was literally within half an inch of each other. That was wild. Yeah. Nothing Nothing made my day more, though, than I want to say it was a par four. Brady, so Bryson goes up, drives it, like it's he's just on it, on the green, right? And then all of a sudden, Brady steps up and fucking flushes one, and it lands, like, inside of Bryson's ball. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. That was, a, that was pretty sick to watch. Again, good moments of it, but I think if you fine-tune it, this could really be a cool segment where you have celebrities and pro athletes playing against professional golfers. But it, it still has a long way to go, I think, in my opinion. And it's I think make it nine holes. Nine holes is the perfect length. Yeah, I don't need to watch holes. 18 holes of that. It, it got so yeah. boring after nine. Um, yeah, if, if you're going to do uh, if you're going to do 18 holes, you should pre-record it. Yep. And then, and then you can cut out everything in between, right? Because That's that a good way idea too. Because they literally just went to commercial break every single time they hit a putt, right? Like it yeah. was like. Yeah, it was. What it was. Way too I don't know. All right. Um, we're up against it right now. So good, good AM episode. I guess it's, we're moving into the PM now. It's, it's after midday, but, uh, yeah, I love when we do that on podcast, but, uh, yeah, thank you all so much for listening to episode 79. We'll be back soon. Episode 80, check the Instagram. We have a ton of shit going on that I can't even like so much that we don't have time to talk about right now, but just go to the Instagram, go to the TikTok, and just keep up with it. Keep listening to the podcast, and um, I'll see you on the flippity flip side, bitches. Coming through late, homie sent so you know I'm on the way. Pull up to the gate, you already buzzing, I can see it in your face. Mixing coke with that Hennessy, keeping you company. One, two, three, four, five shots of me, and I know where you ought to be. Yeah.